You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hey there, John. How you doing? Hey, Glenn. What's up? Oh, man. We are Glenn Lowry, Brown University, John McWhorter, Columbia University, the black guys at bloggingheads.tv. We still are. We're back. We're still black. We're still at bloggingheads.tv, the Glenn and John show. Uh, it's been a while, John. It's been a little while. It's been a little while, but I think there's some there's some stuff that we can talk about. And so, okay. so uh, how would you like to proceed uh, in the news? Of course, dominating the news these days is the fact that the House of Representatives has uh, launched a inquiry into uh, impeaching the president of the United States for his alleged abuse of office in connection with. Uh, dealings with uh, the government of Ukraine and his effort to, according to the allegation, uh, use the power of his offices inappropriately for his own political benefit, to wit, uh, threatening to withhold military aid to the Ukrainian government on the condition that they um, help him get dirt on his potential political opponent, Joe Biden. Everybody knows about this. Uh, Washington is all a flutter. I don't know if anybody's doing anything else down there. Uh, certainly not in the House of Representatives, certainly not Representative Adam uh, Schiff and uh, the House Intelligence Committee where the uh, this uh, investigation is concentrated. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is that. And, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that we've discussed before that I see in this. It's um, a lot of people seem to think that what Trump did is he knew that no matter what he did, his supporters would stick with him. And so he did something that's transparently against the rules and not for the better of the country, i.e. soliciting a foreign power to help him, you know, get reelected. He did it because he knows he can get away with it. Whereas to be honest, from looking at his general pattern, looking at his response to all of this, he's genuinely not clear as to why anyone would have a problem with it. It wasn't something that he seems to have thought very hard about before, which suggests to me simply that he shouldn't be in that office because he lacks, I think that the media like to put it as concentration, but I think that he simply lacks not only the concentration, but the ability to wrap his head around the less obvious rules of the office. And so I think that he, he he should be impeached. And of course, we have to understand impeached does not mean expelled. A lot of it is theater because the Senate will never vote to get rid of the man. But I think that at least we need to do some hand wringing here so that for history's sake, it'll be clear that at least wiser heads were aware of the gravity of this man's inappropriateness in office. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I'm not convinced of what you just said. I don't yet... Uh, have enough information to compel me to the conclusion that he should be impeached. They're investigating. Uh, if indeed the worst characterization, the worst and least sympathetic characterization of what he was doing, which was Craven, uh, uh, the kind of uh, crime boss like grab the guy by the throat, uh, tell him that I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, uh, traffic in the national security of the United States of America turning a blind eye to the aggression of the Russian government uh, backing separatists in eastern Ukraine, withholding vital uh, military uh, hardware from the uh, Ukrainians so that they could defend themselves and indirectly defend us 
uh, from Russian aggression and all of that he was willing to put on the table on one side and say, you know, I got an election coming. There's this guy. I don't know if I can beat him, but I, if I can dirty him up and let me see if I can't do it. If that's, if that's the story and that bears out, sure. What that sounds, that think- sounds impeachable to me, but I don't know. I don't know that. They, here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, I was mainly talking about trying to find out what went on in 2016. The reason that I had my attorney general in my mind when I talked to this guy about investigations was not to try to uh, fix the 2020 election. It was trying to figure out what shenanigans went on with people trying to rob me of the 2016 election. It's one thing he can say. Another thing he can say is policy toward Ukraine is complicated. We're trying to get them to buy natural gas from us. Is it okay if I twist their arm to buy our natural gas? Can I do that? You think that's okay? Can I, can I actually use the powers of my office to try to further my foreign policy objectives, including the objectives of getting the Ukrainians to be less dependent on natural gas and so forth? Um, do you really want to, uh, uh, you know, other presidents have uh, equivocated or drawn back on the brink of getting involved in uh, complex military affairs? Uh, I was merely exercising my discretion. What I do. So he can say things like that. I assume that he will if it comes to uh, him having to defend himself, say things like that. So therefore, what I'm saying is I don't know. I'm willing to keep my powder dry. An investigation is ongoing. I'm willing to hear what people are saying. I do know that I've been here before. Uh, I was here before for two years after the man was elected during which the uh, accusation that he was a traitor to the country in the pocket of the Russian dictator uh, and uh, uh, basically had uh, uh, collaborated with a foreign power hostile to U.S. interests in order to fix the 2016 election, I do know that we've been here before, and I know what that came to. So I'm not allowing myself to be stampeded by all of the hysteria in the hoopla. So that's, that's one point I make. I make another point. I know you want to respond, but let me just say this briefly. Uh, here we are. It is uh, October of 2019. There's an election scheduled for November of 2020. Supposing the House were to impeach, supposing the Senate were to convict, as you know, that's unlikely, but supposing they were to do so, and Trump were to be removed from office before that election. I think that would be a catastrophe for the country. I think it would be very, very dangerous. I'm not an expert on all of these kind of complexities of, you know, political conflict and whatnot. So my pronouncements are worth exactly as much as you would ascribe to them. But that feels to me like an invitation to civil strife. Uh, he won't go quietly. Not that he should remain in office against his illegal behavior because we're afraid that he's going to throw a tantrum. That's not my point. There's an election coming. He won't go quietly. He's going to say the office has been stolen from me, but not only from me, it's been stolen from you. And a lot of people are going to believe that. I don't see how this is good for the country. Uh, The election is right at hand. Make the issue. He's unfit to be reelected. Let the people decide this. So I say that in the absence of all of the fine information, maybe there are smoking guns lying around, you know, maybe there are affidavits yet to be uh, submitted. Uh, Maybe there are witnesses yet to come forward, but we've been here before. Mm -hmm. We've been impeaching this guy since the day after he was elected. Practically the country has, the media have, uh, the democratic party has. And I, and I, and just 
feels to me like, um, I, you know, if I were a conspiracy theorist, I would say, well, this is a, a, a way around having to face the voters in 2020. You know, it's this is it's one of those things where you and I can have a disagreement and it's not personal, but we're talking about the sorts of things where it's where do you draw the line and what are your priorities? And this yeah. is where a lot of people end up getting too upset to be able to have a conversation. But yeah. even a little bit outside of that, what makes you – I don't see any positive evidence that what Trump was going for was an investigation of what went on three years ago as opposed to the hot water that he's possibly in with a competitor like Biden now. I would think – and this is muddy, but I think that he would have given some indication of that. Maybe that will come out in some – more extended version of this conversation. I'm not sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say we already have a little bit of evidence in that because in that uh, transcript, when he says, I need to ask a favor of you, he follows that not by asking about Biden. He follows that by asking about trying to figure out what went on in 2016 with respect to some outfit called CrowdStrike, which is a technical consulting firm that examined the Democratic server, blah, 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 blah. That was the context in which he said, do me a favor. Right. But why would he be so concerned about that now? You know, this man who lives in the present eating his Cheetos. Why does he all of a sudden want to redress something that happened two or three years ago with no relevance to what's going on right now? So, yeah, he's interested in he's talking about this server business that he doesn't understand. But it seems reasonable to assume that what he wants is dirt on one of the people who seems most likely to beat him in this election. And yes, we can, we can learn, but more to the point, the idea that we let the people decide, this goes back to the founders. And it's interesting that you and I are on different sides of this. There are times when I'm sorry, that, but maybe <laughs> the people need to move over and take the advice of their representatives or <laughs> even people who, you know, they – haven't necessarily done the electing for, if we're talking about how the Senate went before. In this case, putting it to a vote, especially when we have the Electoral College such as it is, rather alarms me. It seems that we need wiser heads to decide that a mistake was made in terms of who we put in. And this is going to sound like I'm doing some sort of after-school special, but I happen to be reading Brenda Wineapple's book, The Impeachers, right now, which is about what happened with Andrew Johnson. And I should say, talk about history written with lightning, as Woodrow Wilson said about Birth of a Nation. This is one damn good book, even if you don't care about Andrew Johnson and you figure you know enough about Reconstruction. And it's just leading me to think, yeah, suppose somebody had said, as was said at the time, don't impeach, it would it would leave the country riven. It would leave the country torn. It would make for a messy election. It would leave resentments that would never simmer down. All of that might be true. But in retrospect, we're glad that serious people at the time at least made the statement that this Andrew Johnson, who was alarmingly like Trump in a lot of ways, needed to go or at least needed to be censured in such a way that we remember him as somebody who was impeached, although not expelled. I think we need, we need that here. Glenn, have you no love of country? Does it not yeah, bother you <laughs> that your country is being run by an idiot? It seems like it doesn't bother <laughs> of you. Of course, I have love of country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't accept the premise, though, John. And uh, the reason to look in the 2016 election is what he's going to say is so that it never happens to another president. Do you know what happened in 2016 <laughs> or do you care? Do you care? What do you mean? What, what I mean is, do you know whether or not the intelligence agencies or others 
mm-hmm. uh, with an interest in the outcome of the election, behaved inappropriately uh, in putting together the uh, circumstances that led to the uh, to the Mueller investigation. Did, is there no there there? Is that a conspiracy theory? You know that? Oh, well, of course there is a some there there. Yeah. I mean, because these are human beings and these are human beings with biases. And was it that Trump consciously sought the attention of the Russians? No, he didn't, partly because he doesn't have the mental stick-to-itiveness to do something like that. Yeah, these things are more complicated. Uh, was than it that when people spoke of an insurance policy, they were trying to subvert electoral outcomes? What, was it that when a FISA warrant went, uh, a warrant went before the FISA court, a request for a warrant to investigate people, it uh, did so under circumstances that didn't reveal to the court fully what they knew? Uh, was the public revelation of the um, of the uh, expose, uh, the, the dossier, the Steele dossier, uh, a part of a, a larger uh, uh, effort to try to undermine the? You mean a conspiracy? Yeah, an unjustifiable conspiracy. Yeah, I mean we don't cancel it out by using the word conspiracy. There could well be conspiracy or something like that. I mean, if we don't ask the question, we're not going to know the answer to these things. And some people inside the Trump administration may be interested in knowing the answer. It seems to me that. And you really, you really sincerely do not viscerally suppose that those were serious people expressing a concern with certain things that looked awfully suspicious and decided to go where the evidence took them. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but there's an uh, inspector general's report coming out of the justice department. There's an investigation being carried on by a U.S. attorney in Connecticut called Durham. Who's looking into some of this stuff. William Barr is spending time flying around Europe. He's been in Rome recently talking to Italian officials because he wants to know what the, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm trying to keep an open mind and being, you know, aware of all the facts coming in. This is a highly partisan, I mean, a viciously partisan conflict. So, I, you know, and I don't know enough about it yet to uh, to come down one way or the other. Um, but I do know there's an election coming in November. You say you can't mean it, can you? You ask me if I love my country. You say that sometimes the voters aren't smart enough to pick their leaders and uh, we, we need our uh, the grownups in the house to uh, do it for us. I mean, yes. And I don't mean that they're not, I don't mean that they're not smart enough. I think that the cult of personality is very hard to resist, especially since everybody in a big country like this is not going to be that interested in politics, whether they're smart or not. And so there need to be people who take a deep breath and reason. That is unfortunately not our Senate right now, but in principle, that is what needs to happen. That's why we have a representative government. That was the original idea. It can't just be the the yeoman farmers all deciding these things themselves. That's not the way it's supposed to work. I'm sorry, I sound like an elitist. This is about reason versus yokelness, not about left versus right, not about entrenched power in the Congress versus (laughs) entrenched power in the executive. Don't even try it. This is about this is about (laughs) reason. Don't, don't even try it. No, it's that there are some <laughs> people who... This is what I see. I see a, a parallel. It's eerie, actually, with the Brexit debate in Britain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Demos has said one thing. Yeah. Filtered through the Electoral College. And uh, the elites uh, in the media, uh, in government, uh, other branches thereof, uh, in the academy... Uh, and so forth have said a different thing. And yeah. uh, the elites are using what resources they can uh, they can muster to try to... to oh, well, Glenn, I, that is true to the extent that 
you have a Brexit situation where the people where they're the fewest immigrants tend to be the ones who are most in favor of this new move that's unwise in so many ways. And so there's a certain kind of visceral xenophobia. And you and I have talked about how this idea of spraying for xenophobia everywhere we go and pretending there'll ever be a world completely without it is ridiculous. But in the case of Trump's fan base, it's clear that a part of it, not all of it, but a part of it is due to a way of thinking about the other, which now what we think is that not the clearly, of, John. What, wait a minute. What a lot of these people think about the other is not utterly senseless. You know, there are certain stereotypes they formed where frankly, almost any human being would. However, I think that the data is clear that there is an element of, you know, we want our country back. Who are all of these Mexicans? Too much aid for the blacks. That's not to say that everybody who loves Trump is a racist. That's very sloppy thinking. But it's just an element in the brew. And it's enough of an element that I do think to myself, to an extent, you know, going with his fan base to decide whether or not he should stay is not what America was supposed to be all about. I thought you said these people were smart. Their answer to you don't have a country if you don't have a border is you're a racist. That's smart. That's smart. No. I don't think that's smart. It sounded like that's just what you just said, John. <laughs> Their answer to I'm not paying any reparations to black people. You must be kidding. The year is 2019. Slavery ended in 1863. Their answer to that is, you're a racist. Their answer to, Michael Brown was a thug, not not a, a, a boy on his way to college who was gunned down for no good reason by Darren Wilson. And you all started a race riot over that, and I'm voting against that. The next chance I get and every chance after that, their answer to, I'm standing with the cops. You give me a choice to stand with the cops or to stand with the gangs, I'm standing with the cops, is you're a racist. Now, who's stupid? The guy, the guy who says to those people, I'm on your side, the cops are okay, we're going to secure the border, and we ain't paying no reparations. Or, or the guy who flies around the country and gets on television and uh, MSNBC and CNN and wags his finger in the face of 60 or 50 or 45% of America. Which one is stupid? All right. We're sitting here doing David Brooks's column from the other day. I know what you mean. And I know that this Trump voter is not the utter repulsive troglodyte on these issues that somebody like Jamel Bowie thinks. I agree with you on that. But if a person is going to be so turned on by Trump's honesty on those issues that they don't mind that he could get us in a war with Korea that he's trying to sell us out to other nations, that he doesn't concentrate on the nuts and bolts of his job, that he really seems asleep at the switch in a great many ways. If they prioritize him seeming like your honest talking, slightly bigoted uncle, you're going to, you're going to give him his vote for that because of the, the way he does a rally over the fact that he has no business running anything. I'd like to see there be a degree of override of that, as in I think that others need to decide what the priorities are going to be. Maybe they'll decide that Trump's incompetence and sleepiness is not as important as we think. Apparently, Ronald Reagan wasn't much different during his second term, and yet nobody was trying to chase him out of Washington, D.C. But these things need to be thought about. And by Reagan, folks, I'm not calling... 
Reagan yeah. a racist of talking about his lack of attention. Okay, so let's retire the racism word. I'm glad that you've retreated from that position. I appreciate it. But let's talk about, I don't know, um, I was in Birmingham, Alabama a few months ago at uh, Sam Ford University, which I had never heard of uh, because I was invited to a conference. It's a long story. I won't go into the details. I was Samford University is a Baptist uh, affiliated university. It's well endowed. It's got thousands of students. It's got a competent faculty. It's a real university. Never I don't know it. where we rank in the pantheon. They got a law school there. It's a real place. Um, and I was down there for a conference and, you know, in the breaks and around and I'm talking to people. Now, we tried not to talk explicitly about politics because I did, after all, get off of a plane from Providence, Rhode Island, and they had to presume that I was not a Trump voter. And I reckon that most of them, especially at a religious-affiliated university, were Trump voters. You but knew I, where you were. Yeah. I listened to them. I listened to them talk about abortion. I listened to them talk about the Supreme Court. I listened to them talk about immigration. I listened to them talk about the economy. I, I listened. Race was one of the themes, and there was some contention, to be sure, but people were of goodwill. They were trying to have a productive conversation. Nobody got called any name out of, uh, out of their name, anything like that. They live in a different world than the world that you and I live in, man. It's a different country out there. For example, they actually believe that Jesus is Lord. I mean, they take it seriously. They, they, they say their grace before they eat their meal, not as a public pronouncement, as a private expression of faith. That's who they are. Uh, they are military, uh, pro-military. They are basically pro-law enforcement and whatnot like that. Uh, this was a university, so in Birmingham, Alabama, it was probably amongst the more liberal-leaning uh, uh, outposts, you know, relative to a typical voter on the street. But um, they were, you know, they, they had complex views about affirmative action and about some of the uh, racial issues and stuff like that. I, I wouldn't write them off as yokels. I, I would say there's a cultural uh, conflict or clash between ways of living and ways of seeing across different regions and uh, uh, areas of the country. And uh, the people who are on the, quote, Trump side of that line, who like that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is on the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, who are not all that happy about Planned Parenthood, opening up a clinic around the corner from where they live and so forth and so on, uh, have been feeling abused for a long time, and now they have a champion. They're not dumb for that. They're making a different call. They're making a different call about, and there's no doubt that Obama was more elegant, more articulate, more sophisticated, better read, if you will, smarter, quote-unquote, although I'm not entirely sure about that because it depends on what you mean by smart. But in any case, let me stipulate it. Smarter than uh, than uh, uh, this guy, uh, Donald Trump, but whether or not he was a more effective representative of the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of the a country taken as a whole is not at all clear to me. And you, you mentioned Ronald Reagan underscores this point for me because if they were going to add anybody to Mount Rushmore from the 20th century after FDR, it would probably be Ronald Reagan. He won the Cold War after all, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to, even Obama during the campaign, of 2008 praised the memory of Ronald Reagan. You don't remember that? He did. He said something. It was when he was competing with uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, but in any case, I'm just saying, Trump's a hated figure now. He's a polarizing figure. He's a lightning rod. It's, it, he's a Rorschach test. Where you stand on him is pretty much a, a, a window onto your soul, practically speaking. 
today in 2019. The economy is going well. We are not at war with Korea. A lot of things are actually looking up for the country. It's not out of reason that, out of the the possibility of reason that, uh, should he survive, be reelected, and bring on uh, in the second term uh, a reasonable set of policies, I don't know what, around health care, I don't know what, around the military and U.S. foreign uh, engagement, I don't know what, around infrastructure, around every. Of course, there's always going to be left-right debate. There are liberals and conservatives in the country. But uh, um, I, does no. he still be a successful president? Where, where does the Democratic Party stand on trade uh, deals with China? Do you know? Mm-mm. What's their infrastructure plan? And uh, this is not a test. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I my, point, my point is they haven't told us. Glenn. Because I, they're too busy trying to discredit the guy whom the American people put in that office. And to my, for my money, the best way of doing that is to get him voted out of that office. There's an election in yeah, a few months. But we have a, but there's a complication, Glenn. I understand everything you're saying. I, um, you're making an important point about these quote unquote yokels. I have known people exactly like the ones you're talking about. There are more of them than there are of us, frankly. I have dated that sort of world. I have given talks in in that sort of world. I have been good friends with people of that world. I know exactly what you mean. And they have views about, you know, the abortion and the military and even race, conduct, all sorts of things that are different from what you're used to at Brown and I'm used to on the Upper West Side. And I do not see those people as parochial yokels. I mean, there are yokels in Rhode Island. There are yokels in Alabama. But no, I get what you mean. And I can break bread with people like that. And I'm always thinking to myself, anybody who thinks that just because everybody at this table voted for Trump or just because everybody at this table is against abortion, that they're idiots, is a bigot. I mean, the kind of view that you and I hear people around us expressing about people like that, it's a kind of bigotry. And I I completely agree. But that kind of person is tired of being looked down on by people like us. And that kind of resentment is part of what they like about Trump. They like that he's somebody who's kind of standing up for them. But again, though, Glenn, this is the thing. That is not a good reason under any view, quite objectively, That is not a good reason to keep this man in office when there's an argument that he's incompetent. And notice, I didn't say anything about him being a bigot. I have written everywhere about how that aspect of him doesn't surprise me, and I'm not always sure why we think about it so much, except that he perhaps could be considered to be stirring some of it up, but I'm not sure how different it would be if he weren't there. It's not his racism. It's that he's a boob. It's that that person shouldn't be running the country. And I think that if these resentments of our elitism are going to be part of why people say, let's keep him in anyway. Donald's going to be Donald as if that means anything. That's the sort of thing that senators were supposed to be for override that kind of visceral passion, even if it's understandable and get rid of this person who can't even focus on the details of his job. Glenn, I want to ask you, you read his tweets. Do you really think, do you really read those tweets of his and think This is the man who was elected, and we have to accept it, and let's have the people vote him out. Whereas those tweets, to a lot of people we're talking about, and they are not yokels, but to a lot of people we're talking about, they cheer on those tweets as a sort of WWF sport. Those tweets reveal Donald Trump not just as impolite, but as an undisciplined fool. That man shouldn't be in the White House. 
You really think that it's okay that he's in there just because our voting procedures got in there by a hair. You really think that's okay? So the, the answer I have to give, the honest answer is yes, I think it's okay. I think that's the people's call. That's not, that's not the pundit's call. But I will, having said that, because I'm standing, I'm standing on democracy now, and I'm saying vote him out of office. If he's as bad as you say he is, that should not be that tough. Uh, I'm not actually, however, disputing the core of your claim. I mean, not just the tweets, these impromptu press conferences that he gives when he's walking from the White House to the helicopter or whatever, shouting back and forth to the press. He does sometimes seem unhinged. This business about, uh, okay, China, go investigate. I mean, to me, that was very clear what that was. It was, y'all say I broke the law by doing this. Well, let me do it in public again, because I did break the law. It's within the prerogatives of my job. And whatever the legal logic chopping might be about that question, how could it possibly have been wise or prudent uh, uh, to do that? A boob is going to get us in the war with North Korea? I don't know. Um, but I, I understand why people are concerned. There are processes for dealing with, quote, unquote, incompetent occupants of the office, but the incompetency has to be uh, blatant. It has to be, uh, you know, this is the 25th Amendment kind of stuff, and uh, it's unlikely to be invoked in this case. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I hate being in the position of defending Trump. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not defending Trump. I think of myself as defending the country somehow. I don't want to see us descend into some civil unrest and whatnot because of. Um, well, what would that be? Well, what would it be? What would it have been if somehow uh, the conservatives had gotten control of Congress and had tried to impeach President Obama over something that uh, Obama supporters thought was bullshit? Well, I think that there could have been "quote unquote" civil unrest there too. But are you just talking about people yelling on social media or oh, no, people bringing no, no, muskets no. to Washington? No, no, I'm talking about the muskets. muskets. Yeah, I mean muskets. Who would that, who would do it in this of. case? Donald Trump ends up getting kicked out. You think skinheads are going to come with their muskets and try to, what are they going to try to shoot? Or do you mean that people are going to start blowing things up and putting dirty things in the water or something like that? Yeah, so I'm out on a limb now. I don't know exactly what form the civil disobedience and resistance might take coming from the right. I don't know what form it might take. I do know the form it took coming from the left when Trump was elected. And there were many manifestations of it across a lot of different, you know, from the press, from the entertainment industry, from... I'm genuinely uh, the, losing, I'm losing your thread. What do you mean, ha- what happened? What are you, what are you referring to? I, I'm referring to uh, uh, people saying, uh, you know... Not my uh, president. I, I, yeah, I'm, and, and, and it's ilk. And getting in the streets and protesting, women's march and stuff like that. Small, Antifa, stuff like that. Small potatoes, small potatoes. The right-wingers in this country are well-armed, okay? Um, you have never heard me downplay uh, the threat that comes from the uh, extreme right in terms of violence and whatnot, even though I often go against the left-wing uh, narrative, because it's a real threat. Those, those people are out there, and they're well-armed. You know what? I think you have to at least take on board the possibility that there could be a problem. Again, I am not saying there's a reason to keep a lawbreaker free from being punished by the law in order to avoid the possibility of backlash. I'm just saying there's an election right around the corner. You know what? I may lack imagination, and I mean this because really they're 
I large steps like that. I often find it hard to imagine. I think people exaggerate slippery slopes, and they they use the slippery slope analogy to just bolster melodramatic arguments. So I I could be wrong on this, but let's try this. It's 1966. It's 1969, 1970. Yeah. Why didn't any black militant really do something? You know, a lot of them were armed, and there's some episodes, some things the Black Panthers did. But why didn't a group of angry black men really shoot up City Hall in Philadelphia? Why did nothing like that ever happen? It's because ordinary people going through their day, God, this is going to sound stupid if it happens, but ordinary people going through their day don't usually go that far. And I'm thinking that if Trump got kicked out, would there be some uptick only detectable in statistics with certain types of white guys with three names, you know, blowing up 7-Elevens and things like that? Maybe, and that would be really unfortunate. But, you know, after a while, they'd stop. You know, life is not a movie. It's just like these student protests, which I think now we can almost say rose in 2016 and crested by about the middle of 2018. Okay, maybe that would happen and I would be truly upset at the losses of life, especially since a lot of people would be black. But suppose that was it. In the meantime, we would not, our country would not be being run by an idiot. I would rather have that, to be honest. John, I think the radical right is much more dangerous than any of the black radicals, notwithstanding J. Edgar Hoover's wildest dream, wildest nightmare, than any of the black radicals ever were. There are more of them. They're better armed. They're better organized. They have an ideology. Um, and uh, they have uh, at least a narrative which will leave them feeling righteous. Um, our duly elected man was taken down by the New, by the New York Times, CNN, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi complex. And so I think you underestimate the threat. That's what I'm saying. I don't think this is anything like the 1960s. And, you know, if you're right, the question still remains, do we keep somebody who is clearly not up to the job in that office because we don't wish to foment terrorist acts? Well, that would be the only reason. I mean, my answer is, yes, you keep him in the job because not being competent is not a reason to remove him from the job. I mean, if he's mentally ill and literally unable to function, that's one thing. But if he simply isn't as smart as you'd like him to be, that's no reason to move him to the job. That's a reason to run against him and get him defeated at the polls. Uh, on the other yeah, hand, if he is, I just want to be clear, John, because I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't know all the facts and an investigation is ongoing. If it turns out that he's broken the law, then he's broken the law and he needs to be dealt with. He's not above the law. I am not saying that at all. But I'm saying I don't know right now, and I'm not sure that you do either. Uh, and I just wish that uh, we would allow this process to go through the Democratic filter, because that's the thing that's going to make anything that happens legitimate. I know what you mean. If he's defeated at the polls, he's defeated. That's that's the end of it. And if he doesn't get defeated at the polls, that's also a very significant uh, a very significant message. I don't know. I don't know how else it is to do it. I would feel very uncomfortable leaving it only to the citizenry in this case, not because of stupidity, but because of these these tribalist resentment. And you know, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that Trump is unfit because he isn't bright. I mean, we've talked about that. I think he's unfit because his lack of brightness 
keeps him from being able to pay even basic attention to his job, as opposed to other non-bright presidents. I don't think Harry Truman was the sharpest knife in the drawer, and yet he did his job. I don't, JFK, frankly, I mean, you don't need to be brilliant to be president, but my point is, it's that he does the job so wrong just now. Syria, what the fuck is he doing? He What he wants is to get us out of those messy, endless wars, which makes a perfect, basic sense. All of us would like to get out of there, and he kind of thinks, oh, they're all these ragheads, let's just get them out of there. You can tell that's what it is. But he's not thinking about what's going on in Syria. He's not thinking about our relationship with the Kurds, that the Kurds have been crucial in making oh, ISIS uh, minimal threat. But this is the point. He I, I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. He don't believe what? The advice that he's getting, there's no way that he could not be thinking about it. I mean, you talk as if the country was going to hell in a handbasket. It is not. What? As if he's doing terrible things. He, he is, he is an incompetent captain. He would drive us into the iceberg on purpose. He doesn't make competent decisions. He's a child. His decision in Syria was the decision of a 12 year old boy. That's not good enough. He needs to go. He didn't consider. Can you imagine any other president who would pull this without a very careful justification? But he's not going to give one. Who would pull what, John? Are you talking about Syria? Yeah. In the what curse, it, it's arguable. You don't think it's arguable? I, I haven't heard it from him. I don't have enough information to vet <laughs> the decision about whether or not to allow the Turkish government a greater hand in dealing with the Syrian Kurds on their with border. The Kurds, they hate them. I know they hate them. That's been going on for a century, man. And the Kurds helped us. They, they helped get rid of ISIS. Therefore, what? We're going to second-guess the commander-in-chief about how to handle the thing? I want uh, him to explain it to us, like Jimmy Carter would have. He would have gotten on TV, and you're going to say, look what happened to him. But at least he would have gotten on TV and explained no, no, I'm it. Not. I'm, not. I'm going to agree with you that he could be a much better president. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. He could be a much more effective communicator. Uh, he could be a better leader. Uh, he could have a, a temperament more suited to the awesome responsibilities of his office. He could. Uh, yeah, he could. I, I Again, I say I hate to be in a position of defense. Bro, I like to think of myself as defending these institutions. <laughs> defending these institutions. Somebody that a lot of people don't like got elected. My answer to that is get him out by going to the ballot box and voting him out of office. Don't have one trumped up, quote unquote, after another <laughs> scandal. Like I said, we've been here before. Deja vu all over again. Now, maybe I'll wake up tomorrow morning or the next day and uh, it will all be clear and the scales will fall from my eyes and I'll get right behind you in line uh, getting the criminal uh, president out of office. But I don't see it right now. Nor do I see that his, quote, incompetence, close quote, has been so bad for the country. There is stuff that people can disagree about. What about the Supreme Court? A lot of people think that's the greatest thing since sliced. Those people that I saw down there in Birmingham are very, very happy at the prospect that Donald J. Trump will make yet another appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court in keeping with their values. Mm. Is he a bad president because he wants to put the wrong people on the federal courts, the ones that you don't want to be on the federal mm-hmm. courts? That makes him a bad president? See, that's, that's where you have to exercise the zen-like mental exercise not to, you know, go off. Because yeah, I, know, <laughs> I know what I'm I see I'm that thinking, you're tempted. <laughs> but I won't go there. No, if you 
don't believe in abortion. And, you know, frankly, you know, the whole abortion thing, I am extremely pro-choice, but a lot of people who aren't really need to work harder on putting themselves in the minds. I'm going to give a little TMI here. I have reason to believe that a good long time ago, I probably left a child in a person who interrupted that child's life. She never quite told me, and I didn't know, I didn't register it at the time. But when I look back, I realized that's what she was saying. And I must admit that even, you know, blue America, New York City, intellectual, whatever, pro-choice me always thinks that something was killed. You know, to, to, to look down on people who are pro-life is not to be, say, a parent and to find that your wife is pregnant earlier than you expected. And you realize you're not going to just instantly decide to, quote, unquote, get rid of it. That is not what happened to me. But, no, I, I fully get it. But then on the other hand, let's try this. The people who are really in favor of those justices, largely because of that one very narrow issue, it's often just that. That's not it. That needs to be tempered because I know how those people feel and they're tired of being looked down on. But if your idea is that the defining feature of who should be on the Supreme Court should be how that person feels about whether or not you should kill a baby and at what time. Frankly, that's that thing in them is somewhat unsophisticated and needs to be tempered by somebody who's looking at the issue with broader horizons. And it is not Trump. Trump doesn't give a damn about abortion either way. He just knows who his supporters are. And so he does what he's told. Once again, that's not a sophisticated chief executive. That's, that's, that's a a sock puppet. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, and I know that the attack on someone like uh, Brett Kavanaugh that came from the left doesn't make you uncomfortable because you agree with it 100%. It's because he lied. That's what it's I'm talking about. about. He was, he was abortion. Yeah. He you, you think he lied about something that happened decades and decades ago, et cetera, et cetera. I saw character oh, assassination and a mob mentality trying to lynch this guy. That's what I Do saw. Do you still this believe that with the new further evidence, the new book about him? That yeah. I doesn't it suggest that. that he lied? I'm not going to say again that I just know it, but I su- it suggests <laughs> that he lied. No, I don't care about No, I'm I- not going there with you, man. As far as I can see, it was one uh, unverified allegation after another after another. The most recent one, the woman who was supposed to have been offended said she didn't even remember the incident having occurred, the New York Times never should have run with that, in my opinion. And the man has already been confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. You've got presidential candidates running around talking about impeaching him on the basis of some uh, BS about what he did when he was a freshman at Yale. I mean, I agree with you there. Which there's no evidence. I mean, <laughs> well, yes, the, even if there is, the larger question is, should he be disqualified from the Supreme Court for stuff he did? 35, you know, 40 years ago. And I think, no, that yeah, I know, really, I know. it shouldn't have come up. But once that it did deserves, come up, you know. Yeah, that deserves to be underscored. You did take that position that uh, yeah. even if he did it, it shouldn't have been disqualifying, but that lying was disqualifying. So anyway, we've already had that argument. Uh, do we want to call it quits here for this conversation or do we want to delve further? You and I both know there's something else we want to talk about, but I have to run teach. So why don't we leave leave everybody in suspense? Okay, so here's what I'd like to do, John. Within, I'd say, a week to 10 days, you and I will find another 45 minutes or so. Let's do that. But, but what I want you to know, 
Glenn Show viewer, is that this one is hot. Yeah, you're going to want to see the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're signing off for now. Glenn and John, Glenn Show at bloggingheads.tv. Thanks very much, John. Great, great to be on, Glenn. Thank you. Before you go, a quick message from the suits at Blogging Heads TV. Blogging Heads will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Blogging Heads programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.